Thrive Church. Welcome to Thrive Church Online. My name is Christine, and I'm so excited to be your online host for today. All right, if this is your first time tuning in, be sure to text NEW to 604-285-5770, and we'll mail you a Thrive stainless steel water bottle right to your door. And parents, don't forget to check out mythrive.info slash online to download the kids package for this week. We just launched our summer kids curriculum, and it's going to be a lot of fun, so be sure to check that out. Have you guys noticed? It's been getting pretty hot these past couple of days. You know what that means. Summer is finally here. So have your keyboards ready and comment in the chat room over here or over here, your favorite summer activity. My favorite summer activity is going kayaking. So let me know what's yours. And while you're doing that, take a selfie of yourself tuning into Thrive Church Online and post it on all of your social media platforms and hashtag Thrive Church Online. Let's get that hashtag trending. So remember, again, it's hashtag Thrive Church Online. All right, so after you've done that, I hope you're comfy in your seats and you're hungry for God's Word. So let's get to it to today's message. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Thrive Church Online. My name is JB. I'm one of the pastors here at Thrive, and I want to welcome you to an amazing Sunday to draw near to God together. Wherever in the world you're watching the service today, a huge welcome to you. And in fact, if you're here for the first time, your first time to check out Thrive Church Online, you are what we call our VIP. Everyone say our VIP. And we especially want to welcome you. In fact, we've got a special gift to give to you. And we can do this. You can go to mythrive.info and press that button that says new to thrive. And we love to connect with you that way. We've got a stainless steel Thrive Church water bottle waiting just for you. You can also text the word new to 604-285-5770. And we'd love to connect with you that way as well. We have a saying here at Thrive, which is that welcoming is not just what we do, it's who we are. And so with that in mind, we just welcome one another to church today. If you're sitting beside someone, you give them a high five or a hug if that's appropriate. Or you can go to your chat room right now and just welcome the people in your chat room today. Let's welcome another church this morning, this evening, this afternoon, wherever you're watching this service. Let's welcome another church today. Amazing to have you guys here. And you guys are beautiful church inside and out. And we're so glad to be worshiping God together today. And we, we just actually came out of an amazing Sunday, this past Sunday, where we had our very first drive-through Sunday. Can we give God a big, big hand for that? An amazing time when we got to finally see each other again. After so many months of being apart and doing things online, we actually had a drive-through this past Sunday where we served people hot dogs and drinks and finally got to see each other, uh, of course, in a physical distance kind of way, but got to see each other. And in fact, let's show, show you a few pictures from that drive through in case you missed it, in case you were there. Let's check out those pictures right now. Why don't you check it out with me right now? So we got a bunch of people who, uh, a bunch of cars that came in, so many people who came to, to just say hi. It was great to see old faces, new faces, uh, see people we hadn't seen in a long time, saw a bunch of different families, uh, different people just coming in, walking over. I, I know that based on uh, you know what we're doing, what we're wearing, it's not really sure, are we a church or are we a bunch of carjackers? I'm not really sure based on the masks, uh, but the fact is that we were there to just welcome people, and it was an amazing time uh, to uh, just uh, experience being on site together. I don't know about you, but that drive through made me look forward that much more to being on site together once again soon, and we can't wait for that day. If you believe that, say amen. In the meantime, we're so thankful for our drive through thankful for jumbo hot dogs, and thankful for good company, thankful for new faces and old faces. An amazing welcome to every single, single one of you here to Thrive Church Online today. In case you're wondering, why do we do this? Why do we exist at Thrive Church? Let me be here to remind you right now that here at Thrive Church, we exist for five purposes. And if you know it, it's time to test yourself. I'm going to keep testing it until you know this by heart. And so let's show it on the screen right now. This is our vision as a church here at Thrive. Can you say this with together right now? We're going to say, at Thrive Church, we exist for five purposes called A-E-I-O-U. A stands for alive. It means we're here to worship Jesus. E stands for expectant. It means we're here to grow into Christ-like disciples. I stands for involved. It means we're here to serve God with our talents. O stands for out loud. It means we're here to lead others to Jesus. U stands for united. It means we're here to love our spiritual 
family called God's church and our dream is to build a church of 10,000 AEIOU leaders in the city of Vancouver. Oh, come on, give God a big, big hand and a big shout in this place right now. That's our vision. That's our dream. That's where we're going as a church. And I want you just to show you that that, 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 that screen one more time, that vision statement. I'm going to ask you to just, just look at it for five more seconds. Look at it. Five, four, three. Take a good look. Two, one. Okay, can I test you right now? All right, so five purposes. A stands for what? Right in the chat room. A stands for alive. It means what? Right in the chat room. Alive means that we're here to worship Jesus. Okay, if you got that, awesome. E stands for, write it in, expectant. And expectant means that we're here to grow into Christ-like disciples. E is for expectant, means we're here to grow. I stands for involved, means we're here to, write it in, serve God with our talents. O stands for out loud. It means we're here to lead others to Jesus because God's love is way too big for us to keep it to ourselves. We want to share it. U stands for united. It means we're here to love our spiritual family. You and I, as a church, wherever we are in the world, we are called to worship, to grow, to in, to be involved, and to serve, to lead others, and to love our world and our church. If you believe that, say amen. That is our calling as a church. That is God's invitation to you to live a life for a purpose bigger than yourself. That is our calling. Turn to your neighbor and say, that is our calling. That is our calling. We're so glad that you're here today. And I'm so excited to bring a message to you that I think is going to be really encouraging for many of you here in this place today. And if you have your Bibles, it's time to get, the, get that out right now. Maybe yours is a paper Bible like mine. Maybe yours is a phone or a device that you download the Bible into. Either way is cool. If you could just hold up and you're like so right now. And why don't you say this with me, with me in a big loud voice. This is a fun way every week that we get our hearts ready for the message. So why don't we say this out loud in a big loud voice together. Let's say it to you right now. We're going to say, this is my Bible. It is God's word. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I open up my heart so that God's word can come in and change my life, and I will never be the same. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you could please turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 40. Exodus chapter 40. We're looking in the book of Exodus. It's really easy to find. It's the second book in your Bible. We're going to look at the very end of Exodus. Last chapter of Exodus, Exodus chapter 40. It's because we're doing a series here at Thrive. It is called Exodus, Hope for Hard Times. We're studying the book of Exodus, one of the most famous, most important stories ever told. And in it, we're finding lessons that apply to us today that give us hope for hard times. And in fact, we've been studying the book of Exodus not just every Sunday, but everyone say every day. Every day we've been studying the book of Exodus together. And if you want to get in on that, not too late to do so, you can go to mythought.info and subscribe for Pastor JB's game time sharing. There I'm going to send you a passage from the book of Exodus that we can read together. And I'm going to share some thoughts with you about what are some things we can learn from this passage. So we are studying the book of Exodus every day together. But in fact, today is the end of our Exodus Hope for Hard Times series. Everyone go, aww. I know, I know, I know it's sad because the fact is we've had an amazing time in the book of Exodus. But later on today, I'm going to tell you something that's coming up next week that you do not want to miss. Starting next week, a brand new series for you. But today, we want to finish off strong with the final episode of our series, Exodus, Hope for Hard Times. And so could you please join me in looking at Exodus chapter 40, verses 1 through 16. Would you read in a big, loud voice with me as we get into the word of God together? It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Set up the tower tabernacle, the tent of meeting, on the first day of the first month. Place the ark of the testimony in it and shield the ark with the curtain. Bring in the table and set out what belongs on it. Then bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps. Place the gold altar of incense in front of the ark of the testimony and put the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. Place the altar of burnt offering in front of the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. Place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it, set up the courtyard around it, and put the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. Take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and everything in it. Consecrate it and all its furnishings, and it will be holy. Then anoint the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils. Consecrate the altar, and it will be most holy. Anoint the basin and its stand, and consecrate them. Bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance to the tent of meeting, and wash them with water. Then dress Aaron in the sacred garments. Anoint him, and consecrate him so he may serve me as priests. Bring his sons and dress them in tunics. Anoint them just as you anointed their father so they may serve me as priests. Their anointing will be to a priesthood that will continue for all generations to come. Moses did everything just as the Lord commanded him. Well, 
I'm so excited to bring to you the final capstone message of our series, Hope for Hard Times. And I want to begin by telling you the title to today's message. I want you to tell the title to today's message to the neighbors around you who are watching the service with you today in your chat room and on the sofa or in the car with you right now. The title to today's message is, He's There for You. Would you tell that neighbor right now, He's There for You. He's there for you. Today we're talking about finding Jesus in Exodus. He's there in Exodus for you. See, all throughout the book of Exodus, we've been seeing pictures of Jesus Christ. And if you don't believe me, just go back to the first 10 episodes of the series, and you'll see that though the starting point of each message and each episode is Exodus, though we spend a whole lot of time unpacking, unwrapping, unraveling, and understanding the book of Exodus, the fact is we always end with Jesus. The finishing point of every episode of this series called Exodus Hope for Our Times has always been Jesus. And why is that? It's because the book of Exodus is not just a book of famous stories or a book of history regarding ancient Israel or ancient, or ancient Egypt. It's not just a book of laws for the Israelites. It's not just a book of you know, tabernacle blueprints, but the book of Exodus ultimately is about Jesus Christ. The book of Exodus is full, in fact, of clues and pictures that point us forward to who Jesus is, what Jesus does, and the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. If you believe that, say amen. And see, through the book of Exodus, we've been learning so many important lessons about Jesus. And though the book of Exodus was written over 1,500 years before Jesus was even born, the fact is Exodus is ultimately about Jesus Christ. And that's why today in the capstone message of this series, Exodus Hope for Hard Times, we're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 40. And we're going to find one of the most significant ways that the book of Exodus points us to Jesus. Now, to appreciate this, to understand this, I need to take you to another book in the Bible today. And so if you join me in, in looking at the gospel of John, we're going to go to the New Testament. I'm going to point you to the gospel of John because here it is, is that if you read the gospel of John in the New Testament, you're going to find that Jesus makes seven statements about himself, about who he is. And each of these seven statements begins the same way. Jesus begins with the same two words, I am. And see, if you will take the time with me today to unwrap and unlock and understand what these seven statements mean, you're going to find some powerful and precious truth about the difference Jesus makes in our lives. Because these seven famous statements from Jesus speak to seven of our biggest needs in life. And we're going to see later on how this all connects back to Exodus. And now you might be wondering, how does it all connect back to Exodus? Just hang on. Let's go to the book of Exodus in a bit. But we're going to focus first on the seven I am statements of Jesus. We're going to go through each one, one by one, in the order that you will find them in the book and the gospel of John, because that's going to be important for us later. And as we go through seven I am statements from Jesus, I want you to ask yourself, which of these statements is especially meaningful for me today? Which of these statements do I really need to remember in this current season of my life? Let's look at the first one together. The first I am statement from Jesus, from the book of John, is I am the bread of life. You know, every time you pass a bakery, every time you get a sandwich at Subway, you can be reminded of that statement. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Go to John chapter 6, 35. And what does it say? Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. What's Jesus saying? What does he mean by that? saying, I am the bread of life. It means that Jesus satisfies our hunger and he quenches our thirst in a way that the world cannot. And see, in each one of us, there is a God-sized hole that money cannot fill, that being popular and famous cannot fill, that all the pleasure in the world cannot fill, that power cannot fill, because it is a God-sized hole that only God can fill. Maybe the reason why you are so frustrated with life today is you're trying to fill a God-sized hole with something that is not God-sized. And see, Jesus, when he says, I am the bread of life, he's basically saying this, is that it is only by knowing me, it's by having a relationship with me, that the God-sized hole in your heart can be truly satisfied. In other words, in Jesus Christ, there is deep, lasting satisfaction for our souls. You know, I've got a friend 
who comes from a very, very wealthy background. And growing up, he had access to everything that a young man would want. And one day in our service here at Thrive, one of our services, he raised his hand to receive Jesus Christ into his life. And I remember sometime later asking him, what made you decide to do that? What made you decide to open up your heart to Jesus? And he said, hey, JB, it's, it's like what you said. It's that, you know, you said that each one of us has this God-sized hole in our heart. I was like, yeah, that's what the Bible says. And he's like, yeah, I can relate to that. Because like all my life, I've had all that you think a person would want. And yet I wasn't happy. I, I just felt like there's still something major missing in my life. But when I invited Jesus Christ into my life, it's like this void in my life was filled. And now there's a joy that I never experienced before. Now there's this happiness and the satisfaction that I never experienced before. If you believe that, say Amen. And see, let me tell you this. Let me be straight up with you. Just because you invite Jesus Christ into your life, does that mean that magically, overnight, you will never stop, you will never envy people anymore? Or you will you'll never have contentment issues? You'll never feel insecure? No. The fact is that this is an ongoing journey with Jesus. Does that mean you'll never be frustrated? You'll never be, no, of course not. But what it does mean is that whenever I struggle with envy, whenever I struggle with discontentment, whenever I struggle with frustration, whenever I struggle with depression, whenever I go through these things, I know who to go to. I can go to the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. And see, that's the thing, is that when I spend time with Jesus and I get into his presence, and then I realize just how blessed I really am, amen? When I spend time with God, with the bread of life, when I'm eating of the bread of his presence, like David in Psalm 16, I can say that the boundary lines of my life have fallen in pleasant places, and surely I have a delightful inheritance. So in your heart, if you're here, and in your heart, you've been singing that classic Rolling Stone song, I can't get no satisfaction, and that, you don't, maybe you've never even heard the song, but that's how you feel. You just feel like, I can't, I don't know what satisfies me. I don't know why I can't find satisfaction. You need to know this. In Jesus Christ, the bread of life, there is deep, lasting satisfaction for your soul. Would you turn to your neighbor in the chat room and beside you and tell them, Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. That's the first I am statement that Jesus speaks in the Gospel of John. Let's look at the second one. The second one you can remember every time you turn the light on in your house, and that is this. I am the light of the world. John 8, 12, this is what Jesus says. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, we're living in a time in history, which is a pretty dark time for a lot of people, maybe even for you right now watching. And whether it's COVID-19 and a lot of the isolation and the changes and maybe even loneliness that comes with that, or it's the racial tensions and injustices that are coming to light, especially in North America, or it's financial worries, economic woes. People right now are in need of things that light brings, things that light represents, stuff like hope, clarity, warmth, wisdom, you know, things that light brings, direction. When, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, what is Jesus saying? He means that if you would focus on me and you focus on who I am, you will find the hope, the wisdom, the comfort, the direction, the, the, the clarity that you need. In other words, in Jesus Christ, there is hope for hard times and wisdom for tough situations. And so if you're going through a tough, frustrating season of your life right now, if you're going through an uncertain, stressful season of your life right now, if you're needing wisdom for a situation in your life that you don't know how to solve, you know what the best thing you can do is? It's to go to Jesus, the light of the world, is that he is the wisdom that you need. He will give you the direction you're looking for. He is our hope in hard times. If you believe that, say amen. That's why I love hearing people talk about our Zoom prayer meetings on Tuesday nights when we you know, get together on Zoom, even though it's through a screen, when we spend time in God's presence with others in our church family, when we spend time praying with other people who are seeking God together, we get a new perspective. We get wisdom for our situation. We find warmth in the midst of a community. That's because Jesus is the light of the world. Amen? Amen. That's the second I am statement that Jesus makes. Here's the third I am statement that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John. Every time you open the garage door or you open the fence or the gate of your house, you remember this statement. That statement is, I am the gate. I am the gate. John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pastures. What does Jesus mean when he says, I am the gate? Remember what a gate does. A gate is meant to protect. 
A gate is meant to keep secure. A gate is meant to keep the bad stuff out and the good stuff in. And so if you're the type to tend to worry or to panic or to be controlled by anxiety or fear or you know, insecurity, you need to know this, that in Jesus Christ, there is safety. In Jesus Christ, there is security. In Jesus Christ, you can have peace. He is the gate. And so when Jesus says, I am the gate, he's basically saying, you don't need to be controlled by worry anymore. You don't need to be controlled and gated in by insecurity and fear and anxiety anymore. Because when you have Jesus Christ in your life, you have the ultimate security system in your life. And nothing else needs to harm you. Worry doesn't need to get the best of you because Jesus Christ is your gate. Turn your neighbor and say, Jesus is the gate. You can come in and go out and enjoy safe pasture, i.e. enjoy your life because Jesus is your gate. Number four, the fourth I am statement that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John, I am the good shepherd. Read John 10, 11 with me. What does it say? It says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. See, Jesus, what is he doing? He's comparing himself to a shepherd. He's comparing himself to a shepherd who risks his life and even sacrifices his life to protect the sheep who are in danger. And see, why is that relevant? It's because the Bible says that all of us are like sheep who've gone astray. All of us have turned to our own way, doing things our way, not God's way, thinking things our way, not God's way, saying, God, I don't care what you think. This is what I'm going to do. I don't care. And see, what what that attitude is called in the Bible is sin. Sin is our tendency to reject God's authority in our lives and say, I want to be my own authority. And as a result of sin in our lives, the actual consequence of it is that we are separated from God, that we can't have anything to do with God now, not now, not forever. Sin separates us from God, but because God loved us, because God didn't want to be apart from us, even though sin, the wages of sin is death, God said, because I love you, because you mean so much to me, because I don't want to spend eternity without you. I don't want to be separated from you forever. He sent Jesus Christ to give his life for the sheep, you and me. He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross to pay for our sins so that our sins could be forgiven. The debt we owed God will be canceled and that as a result, we can be brought back to, be, to, brought back to God and be called children of God. Once we were separated, imperfect sinners who were separated from a holy God, now we are forgiven. We are part of God's family. We're the children of God. Oh, come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. That's the amazing love of God because Jesus gave his life for us. And so if you're here today and you are haunted by mistakes you've made in the past. If you're feeling guilty for stuff you've done, sins you've committed, you regrets all over, I'm here to let you know in Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness for every sin. In Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness because Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Because Jesus Christ has already paid for your life and paid for your sins by dying on the cross, now in God's eyes, you are fully forgiven. You are fully accepted. You are fully righteous in his sight. It's because Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Don't you love Jesus? Isn't Jesus amazing? Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. That's the fourth statement. He is the good shepherd. The fifth I am statement that Jesus makes. I am the resurrection and the life. Look at John eleven twenty five to 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? See, not only did Jesus die on the cross for our sins, but to show you can trust every single word that Jesus says. To show that Jesus is not any ordinary human being, but he is who he claims to be, that he is the son of God. Jesus did the one thing that none of us could do. He not only died, but he rose again from the grave. See, what does that mean when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life? It means that in Jesus Christ, there is life after death and hope beyond the grave. See, you might be going through the toughest situation of your life right now, going through you know, just a really discouraging, defeating, kind of disappointing time. But let me tell you this. If Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life, if Jesus conquered our two biggest problems, he conquered sin at the cross, he conquered death at the resurrection, then that means there is no situation that you are going through that is too big for Jesus. Amen. Amen. 
is that Jesus is bigger than relationship problems. Jesus is bigger than financial crisis. Jesus is bigger than health concerns. Jesus is bigger than COVID-19. Jesus is bigger than cancer. Jesus is bigger than death itself. Oh, come on, give God a big, big hand for this place right now because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And when you die, when you've got Jesus in your life, when you die, you don't leave home, you go home because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Amen. Number six, the sixth I am statement from Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Where does Jesus say that? He says it in John chapter 14, six. Read it with me. It says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What need is Jesus trying to meet by telling us I am the way, the truth, and the life? Well, in Jesus Christ, we find the one true way to God. That's what he's talking about. Every one of us has a God-sized hole in our heart. Every one of us was made to be with God. And Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. See, that's not to say that other faiths have nothing good to offer at all, but you gotta understand what makes Christianity unique, is that every other faith, religion, philosophy is all about what you need to do to get to God. With Christianity, with Jesus, it's about what God has already done to get to you. It's not about your effort. It's not about your performance. It's not about the resume that you present to God because none of us could ever meet God's standards. Hey, I can't meet my own standards, let alone God's standards. So what makes me think that by my own merit, just by showing God my best resume, that somehow I deserve heaven? I don't. The fact is, I don't deserve heaven. None of us do because God is perfect, but because God loved us. He said, it's not about what you have to do to get to me. It's, what about, it's about what I've already done to get to you because you're loved by God. No matter how good we think we are, no matter how good we try to be, imperfect sinners like us can never get to a perfect God on our own merit. And so if, if, if that's the case, then we've got to remember Jesus Christ and only Jesus died for our, died for our sins. You know, you know, Buddha, Siddhartha Gautama never died for your sins. Uh, you know, Muhammad did not die for your sins. Uh, you know, you got A.C. Swanee, who started the Hare Krishna. Did he die for your sins? No, he didn't. Joseph Smith, he did, did he die for your sins? No, he didn't. See, all of these other religions, they have some good things to offer, but you got to understand the difference is that none of them said, I'm going to pay for your debt. I'm going to die for you so that you could go to heaven. No, none of them did. Instead, they would say, you know, if you want to go to heaven, this is the way. Do this, do that. Do this and do that. This is the way. Here is the way. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And you may be well, that's so arrogant of Christians to think. If you think that, I want you to point to you to a series that we just did earlier this year, just before COVID-19. It's called Overcome My Unbelief. You can check that out at mythought.info, where we, got, we, we look at a bunch of different questions that people ask about the Christian faith, including how can Jesus be the only way to God? If that's your question, go and check that out. I think you're going to find it really helpful. But see what's going on. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And see, hopefully you're starting to realize as we're looking at these I am statements from Jesus, is that you can't just conclude that Jesus is some really good teacher. Because the fact is this, if I came up to you and I told you, hi, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to God except through me. If I seriously told that to you, what would you think? You would oh, such a good teacher. Oh, oh, I, I feel so enlightened. No, no, you're, you're going to think one of three things. Either this guy's crazy, or this guy is lying, or this guy, if I have you know, a lot of credibility. You may, oh, hey, maybe he's telling the truth. But here's the thing, is that the fact is this, you can't just conclude, oh, he's just a good teacher. He's just telling us to be, no, because Jesus draws a line in the sand and says, believe me or don't believe me, but I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus is either doing one of three things. He's either lying because he, he actually knows that he's not the way, but he just tells us anyways, or he's crazy, he's so delusional, he doesn't even know it, or he's actually telling the truth. And to show that he meant every word he said, and that it's true, he rose again from the grave. And like C.S. Lewis would say, is that you only got three choices with Jesus. You can either say that he's a liar, or he's a lunatic, or he is Lord. But certainly not, oh, he's just a good teacher. And I, I hope you know, I hope you realize that these seven statements are huge statements that I would never make about myself, but Jesus makes it because he's either lying or he's a lunatic, or he really is the Lord of all. Let's look at the final seventh I am statement that Jesus makes, and this is this, I am the vine. 
I am the vine. Look at John 15, 5. What does it say? Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, in other words, in Jesus Christ, there is power. Power for what? Power to live the most fruitful, most productive life you can possibly live. It's not by your power. It's by God's power because Jesus is the vine. We are the branches that are connected to the vine. If I'm not connected to the vine as a branch, I die. I don't bear any fruit. But when I'm connected to the branch, when there's life in the branch and I'm, or there's life in the vine, I'm connected to that vine, then I start to bear fruit. And that, that's a picture for us as followers of Jesus is that when you believe in Jesus, not only are you forgiven of your sins, not only do you become a child of God, but when we start to walk with Jesus and grow our relationship with him, what happens? we bear fruit. See, what kind of fruit? You know, what is it, apples, oranges, you know, grapefruit? No, qualities like love, peace, patience, joy, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. And, and so, and, and unlike maybe some of your favorite fruits, like anyone like blueberries here? I love blueberries. You know, like, you know, and like durian, some people love durian, some people hate durian, but all, with all these different fruits, there's a season to them, or there should be a season to them. And, and the fact is that when you have the fruit of the Spirit, when you've got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, that you bear fruit that's always in season because you've always got the Holy Spirit. Amen. Galatians 5, to 25 says it this way. Read it with me. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. See, get this. Listen to this. When you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, what happens? Not only are you forgiven your sins, not only are you a child of God, but the Bible says that God, by his Holy Spirit, starts to live on the inside of you. That doesn't mean that you become God. No. But what that means is you've got such a close relationship with God now that it's as if God's Holy Spirit, not as if, but actually God's Holy Spirit now lives in you and he empowers you to live the life that God made you to live. He's there to guide you. He's there to counsel you. He's there to comfort you. And so when Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches, what does he mean? Another way of saying it is let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. It's almost like this dance where we've got the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is kind of taking the lead in the dance, and, and we just have to follow him step by step, keep in step with the Spirit, because when we do that, when we keep a close relationship with the Holy Spirit, what happens? We bear much fruit. Amen. And see, these are the seven I am statements from Jesus. Though seasons in your life will change, though your circumstances around you can change, though your feelings will change, these seven statements will never change. Jesus is always and will always be the bread of life, the light of the world, the gate, the good shepherd, the way, the truth, and the life, the resurrection and the life, and the vine. If you believe us, say amen. Now, what does that have anything to do with Exodus chapter 40, which we just read at the beginning? Remember this, the whole goal of the Bible is to point us to Jesus Christ, and Exodus is no exception. When you read Exodus 40, starting from verse 4, you're going to find that Exodus 40 points us to all seven I am statements from Jesus in the exact order that we find them in the Gospel of John. Get this, read it with me, verse 4 of Exodus 40. Bring in the table and set out what belongs on it. See, Moses, he's going to set up the tabernacle, the house of God, and one of the first instructions God gives him in verse 4 is bring in the table and set out what belongs on that table. What belongs on the table in the holy place? It's bread. It's the 12 loaves of showbread, ceremonial bread, that the priests would keep refreshing and renewing and replacing every day as an offering to God. And what is that bread a picture of? It corresponds with Jesus' first I am statement. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. In Jesus Christ, there is deep, lasting satisfaction for our souls. That's the first I am statement we find in Exodus 40. And then you keep on reading verse 4. What does it say? It says, then bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps. See, what was the lampstand? What does it do? Well, a lampstand carries lamps. That would be the only source of light in an otherwise dark tabernacle, in an otherwise dark tent of meaning. And this lampstand and these lamps, what do they correspond with? They correspond 
correspond with Jesus' second I am statement when he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That lampstand, those lamps in the tent of meaning, they remind us that in Jesus Christ, there is hope for hard times. There is wisdom for tough situations. Amen. Verse 5, look at verse 5. It says, place the gold altar of incense in front of the ark of the testimony and put the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. Could you underline those words? The curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. See, what is the curtain at the entrance of the tabernacle? This curtain served as the entrance into what's called the holy place of the tabernacle. That's where you'll find the bread. You'll find the lampstand. And to get to that holy place of God, you need to go through the curtain. And see, this corresponds with Jesus' I am statement when he says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. See, just as there was a curtain to go through to get to the holy place of God, so we need to go through Jesus the gate to get to the holy place of God. A a gate keeps out and it lets in. That's what Jesus does for us. It's a reminder. That curtain is a reminder that in Jesus Christ, we experience the safety, the security, and the peace of God's presence. Amen. Verse 6 of Exodus chapter 40, it says, place the altar of burnt offering. Would you underline it right now? Place the altar of burnt offering in front of the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. See, what, what is the altar of burnt offering? It's where priests would sacrifice bulls, goats, and sheep to pay for the sins of the people. Now, what does this altar burnt offering correspond with? Of course, it corresponds with the fourth I am statement of Jesus. I am the good shepherd. I laid down my life for my sheep. See, the altar burnt offering reminds us that Jesus is our good shepherd and that in Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness of sins. Verse seven, place the basin. Everyone say the basin. Underline that word, the basin, between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. See, what was the basin in verse 7 for? The basin was for washing. See, the the high priest Aaron and his sons, they would take their dirty feet and they would take their blood-stained hands because they've been sacrificing these sheep and they they would dip them into this basin to wash. And so they would go in dirty but they would come out clean. And see, this basin is a picture of something we do today as the church. It's what's called water baptism. It's where you go into the water and you come back out again. And, and the, the whole idea is that it's going into the water symbolizes you go in sinner, a sinner who, who's unclean, who, who, who's got this old life of sin, and you come out raised to a new life. And see, what does that basin correspond with? It corresponds with Jesus' fifth I am statement, which is I am the rest resurrection, and the life. The basin is a reminder that in Jesus Christ, there is new life, life after death, and hope beyond the grave. And then verse 8, what does it say? It says, set up the courtyard around it and put the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. See, verse 8 talks about a curtain. Is that the same curtain as verse 5? No, there are two different ones. The first curtain in verse 5, that's the curtain to the tent where the priest would go into the holy place to serve. This curtain in verse 8 is different. It's the entrance to the entire tabernacle, to the entire house house of God. It's that one curtain that everyone, every single person, whether you're a priest or not, you have to go through that curtain in order to get into the courtyard, in order to participate in the house of God. And guess what? There was only one way in. There was only one way out. It was through this curtain. And what does this curtain correspond with? It corresponds with Jesus' sixth I am statement. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, this curtain at the very front of the tabernacle is pointing to the truth that in Jesus Christ, we find the one true way into the presence of God. Amen. Lastly, verse 9, take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and everything in it. Consecrate it and all its furnishings and it will be holy. Would you underline those two, three words, the anointing oil? the anointing oil. See, God told Moses to take some oil and had a special recipe, a special formula, such that you don't find that, you wouldn't find this recipe at Choices or you know, at Save on Foods or at Safeway or Whole Foods or, or, or Costco. You wouldn't find it. It was a special recipe. And, and this anointing oil, God told Moses to put it on everything in the tabernacle. Why? It's because the anointing oil symbolized the Holy Spirit. 
is that when Moses put the anointing oil on any person, any place, anything, it was to communicate that the Holy Spirit, the power of God, was resting on that person, resting on that place, resting on that thing. And what does the anointing oil represent, or what does it correspond with? It corresponds with Jesus' final I am statement, where he talks about how we need to keep in step with the Spirit when he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, he will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Guys, do you see? Do you see what's going on? Every verse in Exodus 40, verses 4 to 9, every piece of furniture we've mentioned to, to this point is pointing to the seven I am statements of Jesus in the exact order that we find them in the Gospel of John. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? Did, 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 did Moses know this when he was writing Exodus 40? Probably not. Did John know this when he was writing about Jesus' life, you know, 1,600 years later? Probably not. But see, it's as if God took a banner and he put one end of the banner in the hand of Moses. And then he stretched that banner across 1,600 years of history, across both Old and New Testament. And he puts that other end of the banner into the hand of a guy called John. And when you stretch out the banner and you see what this banner says, it says one name. It's the name of Jesus. Amen. That's how amazing the word of God is. It's one more reason why we can stand in awe of God and in awe of the Bible and call it the word of God because God was using two writers separated by 1,600 years to point us to one name, the name of every name. His name is Jesus Christ. And see, now maybe you're here and, and you're like, well, I'm, I'm looking at Exodus 40, JB, and, and I'm wondering, well, what about verse 3 where it talks about the ark? Or what about verse 3 where it talks about the curtain that shields the ark? Or what about verse 5 where it talks about the golden altar of incense? What do those represent? Really good questions. We're going to tackle these in my game sharing tomorrow. And so if you're curious, let me tell you, these answers to those questions are just as amazing as what we've talked about today. And so if you're curious, make sure you subscribe for my game share and go to mythought.info to do that. But here's the thing. What lessons can we learn from all that we've talked about today? What lessons can we learn generally from this whole series called Exodus Hope for Hard Times? Let me give you two right now. You can write this down. Number one, the book of Exodus is full of pictures pointing us to Jesus Christ. See, you cannot fully understand or make sense of the Old Testament without seeing how it connects with Jesus and the New Testament. And see, since Exodus literally means coming out, you could say that Exodus, the book of Exodus, is Jesus's coming out party. Because we see picture after picture after picture of Jesus coming out over and over and over again. The second lesson we can learn, you write this down, in Jesus Christ, we have everything we need including hope for hard times. Right now, I want to invite someone very, very special to come up to share her story. Her name is Marizel. Marizel, her husband Maurice, they're amazing kids. They are a very precious, precious part of our church family here at Thrive. And once you hear Marizel speak, you'll, you'll realize that she's probably, she probably didn't grow up here in Canada. Uh, that's because she is from South Africa. Uh, and so if you're wondering about her accent, just know this, is that uh, that's how everyone in heaven talks, all right? And so if you want to go to heaven, you need to learn to speak this. I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Fact is, heaven is, you know, a place full of diversity, and uh, originally, we actually asked Marizel to share her story at our Thrive Disciple School graduation back in March. But then COVID-19 happened, and we couldn't do that. Well, we decided to ask Marizel to share her story today because I couldn't think of an even better time for her to share her story, especially given all that we're talking about. And so would you please join me in giving a warm Thrive welcome to the beautiful Marizel as she shares her story with us today. Come on, let's join me in giving a big, big warm welcome to Marizel. Thank you, Pastor JB. Thank you so much. It's an honor to share my story with you today. So um, I grew up in a religious home. I had parents that loved me dearly. Unfortunately, I had a very aggressive father that used to beat up my mom, but he never laid hands on me or my older brother. My father also cheated on my mom, and they decided to divorce when I was nine years old. My life wasn't better from there. My mom was trying to make ends meet as a single mom and re remarried to get additional support. I was sexually abused at age 10 by my mother's husband. She divorced immediately when she found out. Today, after many trials and a lot of heartache, my mom is happily married and I loved my bonus dad to bits. My relationships weren't any better and I got used to being physically and emotionally abused. 
it came to a point where I had no self-confidence. I hated my body and my life. I ended up having anorexia. I met my ex-husband and I got married. I thought everything would change. It didn't. I also had four miscarriages due to the anorexia as my body wasn't healthy enough to be able to carry a baby. My ex-husband had multiple relationships with other women. He also had a drug problem. I was trying to make sense of it all. The rejection was a very big part of my life. I didn't trust men. I didn't know what a husband should be like. One day I went to a ladies' conference and I had an encounter with God. I got baptized at age 25 and started my, re- my personal relationship with Jesus. Eventually I got divorced and um, I got introduced to poverty. I was a single mother of two children. Yes, God promised me that He will bless me with children and He did. There were days that I didn't know where our next meal would come from. I remember a specific night when I fell to my knees. I was sobbing, asking God where He was in all of that. And God touched me. He reminded me of Psalm 118 verse 22, where it says, The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. I knew in my heart that God deemed me important to Him and that He will never reject me. The next morning, a friend called me and said Jesus delivered something for me at His house and He brought bags full of groceries, not knowing that my children and I did not have any food. I had not spoken to this friend in years before that. That is how the Lord provides for His children. Even though I went through so much turmoil in my life, the Lord protected me, holding me tight in His arms. I could have made many terrible decisions, but somehow, in my darkest days, when everything seemed impossible, I always remember John 8, where Jesus spoke and said, I am the light of the world, and for that, I will hang on to Him even closer. I used to be afraid of God when I was younger, thinking that He will punish me when I do something wrong. But after my encounter with God, I knew He was a loving Father, one who will show me the way, one who will love and comfort me. He is always there. He will never leave me nor forsake me. God gave me the strength to overcome rejection and all my past hurt and pain. He made a promise to me in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, where he says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God was my husband when I was alone. He provided for me. He protected me. He is my healer. He is my daily bread. He helped me to forgive those who trespassed against me. Today, I stand in awe of everything that He has done for me. He, the chains are broken and I've been set free. I have an amazing family with a husband who loves me dearly and two additional bonus kids. God was there for me and He will be there for you. Thank you. One more time, could give it up for Mirazel for sharing so bravely your story today? Will you turn to your neighbors and tell them, he's there for you. He's there for you. He's there for you. You might be going through the toughest time of your life, but I'm here to tell you, he's there for you. He's there for you right where you are. Even in ways you can't even see, he's there for you. In the book of Exodus, he's there for you. In the book of John, he's there for you. Right now, in 2020, he's here for you right now. And because Jesus Christ is our bread of life, it means we have satisfaction for our souls that's deep and long-lasting.
Because Jesus is the light of the world, we have hope for hard times, wisdom to help us through whatever we're going through. Because Jesus is our gate, we have safety, security, and peace where he's at. Because Jesus is the good shepherd, we've got forgiveness for all of our sins. Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, we have life after death, hope beyond the grave. Because Jesus is the one way, truth, and the life, we have the one way to God. Because Jesus is the vine and we are his branches, we have the power to live life the way it was always meant to be lived, under the protection and favor of God, living life for his glory. You know, the book of Exodus has been given to us to show that it's all about Jesus, that everything that's been done, everything that's, that, that's going on now, at the end of the day, it's all for Jesus, so we can point to him and go, it's about him. It's him. He's there in Exodus for you. He's here for you right now. He's there in whatever situation you might be in today. He loves you so very much. And so with that in mind right now, I just want to invite you to just close your eyes and to bow your heads as I pray with you and for you right now. Right now, we want to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus, who is the bread of life, who is the light of the world, who is our good shepherd, who gives his life for the sheep. And if you're here today and you realize that you do need forgiveness as well, you need forgiveness for sins in your past, maybe something you said this morning, something you did last night, maybe a whole history of stuff, I'm here to let you know, God loves you so very much with an unconditional love that nothing you could do could ever make God love you more and nothing you've done could make him close the door. If you realize today that you need God's forgiveness for sin, why don't you just lift your hand to God right now? And you know, even for those of you who are here, you can open your eyes and just, why don't you touch that button that says, I commit my life to Jesus, which simply means I need your forgiveness, God. And if that's you, why don't you just touch that button right now. You can open your eyes and do that. Go ahead and touch that button. If you realize you need forgiveness from God, why don't you, as an act of faith, just touch that button right now. And why don't you pray this prayer with me right now, just as an expression of our need for God, believing that he hears our prayer. You can say this right now. Just pray this with me. You can say, dear Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross to pay for my sins, that you rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart. Please come in, forgive me of my sins, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer and you meant that from your heart, the Bible says that you are forgiven of your sins. You are a child of God. You are a citizen of heaven. You're a priest in God's kingdom, and the best is yet to come. And to celebrate this decision with you, to encourage you, now that you've prayed that prayer to receive Jesus in your life, we have a very special gift that we want to give to you. You can go to mythrive.info and press the button, I believe, or you can go and text the word believe to 604-285-5770. We'd love to connect with you that way. Don't just stop here and pray that prayer, but make sure you get that gift to encourage you to continue to walk with Jesus because he is the vine, we're the branches. We need him to live the lives that he made us to live. And so I encourage you right now to go and do that right now. Go to mythought.info, press I believe. Go and text us at 604-285-5770. Text the word believe uh, to that number and we'd love to get in touch with you. Could you give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now? Praise God. What an amazing Sunday we've had here together. One last thing we want to do uh, before we sing a song is today ends our series, Exodus Hope for Hard Times. I've had an amazing time going through the book of Exodus with all of you. I want to thank our speakers, Pastor Tim, Pastor Charlene, for being a part of the series and bringing some powerful messages to help us unwrap and unpack the book of Exodus. And if this series has been helpful to you, if it's been encouraging to you, if it's challenged the way you look at the book of Exodus, if it's given you a new perspective on the book of Exodus, if it's helped you in your life and given you hope for hard times, we would love to hear from you. What you can do is you can even right now go to mythrive.info and there you're going to find an Exodus Hope for Hard Times feedback form. And how many of us know your feedback means so much to us? We take seriously all the feedback that we get because it helps us to serve you better. It helps us to see where God is working in your lives. And so especially in this COVID-19 season, we would love to hear from you. And so even right now, would you go to mythrive.info and would you press that feedback form button from Exodus Hope for Hard Times? I'm going to in fact give you just about 30 seconds to 45 seconds just to take a look at that feedback form. It's really easy to fill out. If you don't see that feedback form, you can also text the word feedback to 604-285-5770. And I'm going to give you guys just a little bit of time 
to fill out this form because you're going to find, I think, that not only does it encourage us when we receive it, but it also helps you to process what God has been doing over the past 11 weeks together as we've been looking at the book of Exodus together. So let's do that together. Can we just take this a little bit of time right now, just to even take 30 seconds to 45 seconds to look at that feedback form right now, and uh, we're going to get going uh, soon after that. But take a look. Take a look. Take time to process that. Take time to reflect on what God has been doing in your life, even today, but even over the past 11 weeks as well. Let's thank God for all those things. Let's thank God that he is our unleavened bread. He is our Passover lamb. Thank God that he is our deliverer who rescues us from slavery. He's our you know, rescuer. He's our savior. He's the one who makes a way when there is no way. When we're boxed in and we have no way where to go, that he's the one who makes a way for us. Praise God. That's the kind of God that we have. Right now, I'm going to invite you. You might be continuing to fill out that form. I'm going to ask Gina and Rachel to lead us in a song right now. And so you can continue to respond to God by filling out the form. If you've already done that form, you can sing along with Gina and Rachel as they lead this uh, time, as we sing to God, as we continue our time to worship God. Let's give our very best to God right now. Can we give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now? Praise God. Let's give God all of our worship today.
one more time. Can we give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now from your heart? Just do that right now. Praise God. You know, I'm so glad that we have Jesus in our lives. I'm so glad. There's no words to describe it. And I want to encourage you right now to respond to Jesus because he is here. He loves you. So with every, you know, with every person's heart open right now, I want you to lift your hand to God as this response to God. Let the height of your hands reflect how much you need God today. Let the height of your hands reflect you just giving God your worship and your praise. Let the height of your hands reflect you surrendering to God. Maybe an issue in your life that is too big for you, but it's not too big for Jesus. I want you to lift up your hands to God right now. And why don't you start praying to God in your own words right now. Maybe just take a moment to thank God for the lessons he's taught you in the series called Excess Hope for Hard Times. Thank God for his promises. Thank God for what he's been teaching you in this season of life. We just do that right now. Just in your own words and start talking to God from your heart. Don't wait for me to stop talking. Don't wait for someone else to start talking. You just start talking to God from your heart. Just do that right now. Just respond to God. Just respond to God. Let's come to his altar and let's just do that right now. Let's come to him right now. Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let's just start talking to God from your heart right now. In your own words, just start talking to God. He loves you. He's listening. Let's respond to God right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Thank God for the lessons he taught you during Exodus Hope for Hard Times. Thank God for the things he's teaching you today. Thank God for the difference he makes in our lives. Thank God for who he is, that he is our bread of life, that he is our light. He is our gate. He is our good shepherd. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the vine. Just start talking to God today. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Father, our healer our provider, our protector, our rescue, our defender, our shield, our shepherd, our friend, our rock. We thank you, our savior, our king. We thank you. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for Jesus Christ, your son. He is our bread of life. He is the light of the world. He is our gate, our good shepherd. He's everything that we need. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the way, the truth, and life. He is the vine. And we just want to thank you so much for showing that to us through all of your word, through the New Testament, through the Old Testament, through all of your word. Thank you so much that you loved us so much to give us your son, Jesus. He is our hope today. And we thank you so much, Jesus, that you love us the way you do, that you never give up on us. You're always thinking the best of us. You're always interested seating for us. You're always looking out for us. You're the one who knows the plans who has for us. Plans to prosper us, not to harm us. Plans to give us hope and a future. And so it's with that in mind, I pray all of your blessing, your favor, your protection, your presence, your provision, your healing, your comfort, your power, your rest, joy, strength, faith, wisdom, and your Holy Spirit to fill every single person here until we meet again. We thank you so much, Jesus, for being everything we need and more. We love you because you loved us first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, come on. One more time. Let's give God a big hand, a big shout. Let's play together right now. Let's thank God for an amazing Sunday together. We had an amazing time in a series called Exodus Hope for Hard Times. But like we'd love to say here at Thrive Church, the best is yet to come. And I want to invite you to come back next week for something brand new we're starting. It's called Pivotal Moments. It's a brand new series we're doing through the summer, talking about stories, life-changing stories, and big decisions that people made with the help of their faith, with the help of trusting in Jesus. You do not want to miss it. It's called Pivotal Moments. Bring a friend. It's going to be an amazing time. Right now, as we close off our service, a couple of things we're going to do. First off is if you call Thought Church your home church, or you believe in the work that God is doing here, or you've just been particularly blessed by the Exodus Hope for Hard Time series, I want to encourage you to give God a thank offering today. For those who call throughout church or home church, let's give our faithful tithes. Let's take good care of our church and good care of our staff, and let's invest and sow into the kingdom of God. And those of you who've been blessed by our Exodus Hope for Hard Time series, you just want to give God thanks for special provision, special favor that he had on you this past week. Let's give God above and beyond our tithe. Let's give God an offering today because he's worthy of it. Even let's say, say amen. Like we say here at Thrive, when we seek God's kingdom first, he adds what? He adds everything we need. And not only does he add everything we need, but he builds his church through you and me as well. And so thank you so much in advance for giving. Go to mythrive.info to give. Finally, we're going to hand the time back to our online host, Christine. Thank you so much, everybody. You guys are an amazing church. We love you guys. God loves you. Praise God. The best is yet to come. See you next week for a brand new series called Pivotal Moments. We love you guys. Have an amazing Sunday. Praise God. The best is yet to come. Love you guys. Take care. See you guys really soon. See you guys soon.
Thank you, Pastor JB, for the uplifting message now. Before we end off, it's time for some announcements. Now, once again, if this is your first time visiting us, let us know by texting NEW to 604-285-5770 and we'll mail you a Thrive stainless steel water bottle right to your door. And if you made the decision to receive Jesus Christ today, congratulations! Let us know by texting BELIEVE to 604-285-5770. We have prepared a gift that includes a series of videos that may answer some of your questions about Christianity. It'll be mailed right to your door and we hope that it'll guide you on the right path to follow Jesus. And don't forget, we host Zoom prayer meetings every Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. So join us for a time of worship and prayer. And check us out for more information on our social media platforms, either on Facebook or Instagram. And be sure to like and follow us for more updates. All right, as you know, today we finished our message series, Exodus, Hope for Hard Times. So please let us know how God used this series to impact your life by filling out the feedback form at MyThrive.info. We would love to hear from you. And last but not least, be sure to give your tithes and offerings at MyThrive.info as well. That's it from me today. I hope you all have a wonderful week ahead. Enjoy the sunshine and I hope to see you all next week at Thrive Church Online. Bye!